0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode twenty-eight, kfabe Council show. We review and critique news topics and segments. The world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack, brother? What's going on, man?
1: Three thumbs up already. I'm I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good today. Pretty good this week. <sighs> things getting back to normal, even though it is cold, you know, I, I was like, oh, it's too warm, so I took my hoodie off, and now I'm sat
2: here going, actually, kind of cold. No, it's, it's
1: too late. It's too
2: late. I've gone too far. So, yeah, I've, uh,
1: I will I will soldier through the uh, the coldness in my room, though, so it's fine.
0: Yeah, it's one of those interesting things, I think, for me, it's starting to cool down, especially, and the heat's kicking on, so, like, do I try to find the right balance, do I keep the window cracked, do I try to keep a door cracked, trying to hit that type of thing, especially when we get into the beginning of December, like we very much are, so yeah, coming off the hot heels, speaking of heat, of two fun pay-per-views we just had, and in a little bit of a cold spell, because it's December, of uh, some wrestling pay-per-views, but we are not in a shortage of fun things to talk about this week
1: no 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 like i said two weeks of really good uh of really good pay-per-views back-to-back results in terms of storylines payoffs were great uh title changes in abundance um yeah there was there was definitely upward trajectory made for the two particular storylines we're going to talk about today because we have been very interested in them for a long time, and we're finally seeing some upward trajectory for one of them, and we're now getting a little bit of a uh, uh, a view to where we could see things going for the other one. so it's fantastic to see.
0: Yeah, two interestingly sort of diametric topics that we'll get into today, but ones that we, like Joker, mentioned, and I'll reinforce, ones that we've just been interested in. We've at least alluded to them over the number of episodes, and we're definitely kind of looking forward to getting in and talking about them today. So we appreciate you coming along on this journey with us, and hopefully you'll enjoy what we got talking about today. As a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtubecom council and in an audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at what's next. For AEW champion MJF, and Sami Zayn cements his place in the bloodline. But coming up first,
2: MJF
0: is now currently the AEW world champion. And of course, in much like traditional MJF fashion, had to make a grand overture on how he wanted to start his reign and start his segment and his position as world champion coming off of a very hot, very interesting promo on Dynamite. So we're about to kick into it proper here. What were your sort of just quick initial reactions coming off of China just watching it or hearing about it for the first time?
1: The promo, or him being champion. The promo I watched, and I was just like, please be a Burberry belt under there. Please be a Burberry (laughs) belt under there. Please be a Burberry belt under there. And it was the big Burberry belt. And I laughed my head off. I chuckled so much. I was like, it's subtle. It's there, and I hit it. It's great. So, yeah, just uh, everything he said um, about the promo, uh, within the promo. Um, just about the direction that he's going to be. I'm not going to be this fighting champion, you know. I'm I'm not going to be uh, having matches on free TV and all this here. and uh, You're going to have to pay to see me defend the belt. And you know, you're going to have to jump... All those people who hated that I made people jump through hoots to fight me, you're going to see more of that. I'm rarely going to defend this thing, you know, stuff like that there. I thought that for the character his promo as always like you can't just say this is something new because it's not it's as always he hit the nail on the head and he told us exactly what he's gonna do and he is going to stick to it and that is fantastic you have all these people who will uh, cheer and shout for those guys who come out and go, I'm going to be a fighting champion. I'm going to fight every week. And then they lose their belt after a month. And you're like, okay, cool. You did what you were going to say, but that's you know, fine. We never have that guy come out and say, I'm never going to defend this championship.
2: You're going to have to take it off me when I leave.
1: And it's like, you never have those guys talk, about, talk like that because nobody's ever been like MJF.
0: Yeah, once again, we'll get into it in just a moment, but another strong MJF promo, very indicative, hits all sort of on his tropes of the I'm better than you and you know it and, and, and hitting on all those cylinders of the making things, making things difficult, hating on the fans, et cetera, et cetera, and he just does a really good job of making you want to hate him, and he reinforces that in this upcoming promo here. So we'll kick into it proper. We have William Regal making his entrance. Gets on the mic and introduces Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Max makes his way to the ring. He and William Regal embrace as MJF gets in the ring and Friedman gets on the mic. Max tells the crowd to keep their hillbilly mouths shut. And says he'd like to explain how their unholy union came to be. Not too long ago, Mr. Regal sent him an email right after the firm attacked, and Max reads it, quote, Maxwell, I see the potential in you to become the greatest villain ever. This time, don't grab the dynamite ring, you must grab the brass ring. Max and Regal met behind closed doors, and Max can say Regal is a genius. Max told, excuse me, Regal told Max to use the brass knucks. Max didn't just want to, Max didn't just want me to beat John Moxley. He wanted me to leave Moxley in an emotional scar so he wouldn't forget the day he was outsmarted by MJF. And even if Max did harbor some resentment, does he seem like the type to chase anyone down? That takes effort, and effort is for pores, and Max is above that. Speaking of things he's above, Max wants to talk about this belt, referring to the AEW World Championship. When Max became champion, he promised himself that he'd change some things, out with the old and in with the new. So coming off hot Hot. to start things off. Of course, we get the nice little touch of William Regal introducing MJF to here. Obviously, getting some quick cheap heat, talking about the hillbilly fans in Indiana, if I'm not mistaken. They were in on this past week's episode of AEW Dynamite. Nice little callback to the email uh, from the previous large promo that he had with Regal about a month or so back. So a very, very nice touch. And just talking about the nature of his relationship with the firm. How there were some connections and now potentially seem to be severed and things of such. So what were your, what were your notions and what were your thoughts on this beginning section of his promo?
1: It was really, really good uh, in terms of clarification with regards to things like the firm. Um, uh, I we 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 discussed a few episodes ago about his uh his promo with the the email and stuff, and how he had that back and forth with Regal, and uh you know I re- I really enjoyed that promo. It does feel like every single time somebody comes in to AW. Max has some sort of evil villain backstory with him, so I was like, OK, cool, yeah, we, we, we've heard this, I like the fact that you're continually referencing CM Punk's promo where the greatest trick the devil ever did was maybe we'll believe he didn't exist, or whatever the hell it was, um, and he keeps using that and saying, I'm the devil in all this here, and now he's referencing this email, and I'm like,
2: OK, cool. Get on with it.
1: That was maybe the sort of little bit where I was like, I know you're a showman, Max,
2: but we have heard this before, and I want you to get on with it. Stop acting like a purr and repeating yourself. You know?
1: If he ever, if he ever, ever gets sent, you know, any criticism, I want that to be there, just so he knows. I need him to be better.
2: Come on, man. Anyway. Um, the uh this past week we've also seen uh in other uh
1: mediums like uh the uh Renee Packet of Crisps uh podcast she does that she was interviewing Stokely Hathaway and he made overtures about what the firm's actual direction was and I'm, i I kind of like the fact that it was supposed to be that way. And I like the fact that they've kind of taken it in a different direction. They've reacted to uh things that have happened. Um I like that Max is now kind of like, yes, but they're gone. You know, swept out of the way, you know, blah 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 blah.
2: So that was really, really good.
1: Um it kind of makes sense because the last time We had any sort of Max slash group thing. He doesn't. This is the the thing that I like about Max. his, His character. He continually shows everyone he does not play well with others, like in groups with individuals. Even at this promo that we'll see in in a bit, it's like he just does not get on well with others. He looks out for number one, which he should. He does what he thinks is best which he should and he doesn't give an f about anything else like the repercussions you know the consequences um he just does it and i think it was great
0: we've mentioned before when we talked about mgf promos as well that he has a slight bit of formula you mentioned a notion of him hitting on something from his past or sort of that villain origin story of sorts and we have a little bit of that here of the nature of the bringing back up the email that was before mentioned in his previously uh, William Regal promo as well. So it's a nice little callback to that. So we have these sort of tropes that are within MJF promos. It's not not to say that it's a bad thing, but it's just one of those things that sort of that he he hits on or kind of goes to the well on. So not particularly mad, but... It's one that it's almost you kind of half expect. But also the nature of the firm and Regal trying to sort of refocus him in a sense. And you mentioned it as well that he is somebody who can do really well as sort of standing on his own. And we've seen him interact and sort of be surrounded first in the inner circle and then the spin off of the pinnacle as well, where he's seen him be in a sort of group setting. And even sans that with. He, and just having his heater in Wardlow, you mentioned it before, he does really, really well standing on his own and kind of being sort of an island unto himself and then sort of interacting with all these agency of change. So I'm kind of okay that, like you mentioned with the Stokely piece, that we kind of veered slightly away from maybe what it was intended to be, but Max seems stronger when he's doing his sort of solo thing. So we reiterated here and he looking to cement that within the promo itself.
1: Yeah, I I just don't feel like he's going to be the leader of a faction anytime soon. Um
2: he just doesn't seem to be the character for it. Uh plus anybody he brings in
1: how do you get one over on the self-professed devil? And that, that's, the, that's the sort of thing whenever you have these these people come into a faction that's led by a charismatic leader such as Max, you're always looking for that one who stands up, who rises up within the ranks to overthrow that leader. That, that's always that, that sort of formula as well. There's always someone within the ranks who will inevitably topple a leader or threaten them. And how do you kind of put a guy in a situation with MJF? Like, they have to be more charismatic. They have to be better on the mic. uh, They have to be better in the ring. And unfortunately, there's nobody in AEW that has any of those three qualities.
0: Agreed. There's a nice little innate storyline when if you want to have somebody overcome a quote-unquote leader of a faction, can they be able to sort of stand by or or stand aside and kind of go face to face with in promos and a match and things. And there's not too many people that at the moment, as young as MJF is, he's, he's hitting on a lot of cylinders really well. So it can be tough, but yeah, I think like I mentioned before, he does well by himself and we're, we're seeing that echoed in this promo here. Alright, we jump back into the promo here, referring to the AW Championship belt. This belt is tacky, and lacks class, and worse, it reminds Max of all the men who have held it previously. And sure, they were all talented in their own right. We can all agree that none of them are on Max's level. And that's specifically why this version of the title is garbage. Max throws the belt out of the ring and asks Regal to unveil the new one. And it's the same basic belt design, just the leather is printed with a vaguely Burberry plaid. He announces it as the Big Burberry Belt and calls it the most important world title in the sport because he's the man holding it. No one deserves to be recognized as world champion except him. Not fake tough guys like Eddie Kingston or Ricky Starks, and speaking of fake, the worst of the worst, the middest of the mid fake wrestlers, like Brian Danielson. No offense, but compared to Friedman, Danielson can't wrestle his way out of a paper bag. MGF makes nice to Regal about how hard Regal trained the American Dragon, but Regal is stone-faced, Max says as long as he's in this company, nobody else will know what it feels like to be on top. Because he's going to be world champion for a very long time. All the way to the bidding war of 2024. So we see the unveiling of the new design of the quote big Burberry belt. Triple B. Thank you. It's a bit of a tongue twister in itself but we see the max kind of calling out a couple people mentions Eddie Kingston, Ricky Starks, of course, his next challenger mentions O Brian Danielson. So interestingly could be potentially some folks that he brings up and, or maybe targeting in the next couple months slash feature.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Sounds like he's named at least two of his next opponents. Um, uh, Ricky Starks being an obvious one. Um, He is fighting in again at Winter is coming anyway uh, because Ricky won the tournament. I honestly wouldn't put it past MJF to be like, even though you won that tournament, you have to go through another tournament to prove you can actually wrestle against me. So, you know. I, like I said, I had my fingers crossed. Like, that belt better be Burberry. Come on, Burberry belt. Come on. Come on, you got to do it. Because I was like, why are they Why are they changing the belt? This is actually, you know, it's the big belt. Like, what are they doing? And then it went, oh, maybe it's a Burberry belt.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that made me smile. A lot of, I've seen a lot of hate for it. And, I mean... That that's exactly
1: what Max is going for. Like, good job, boys and girls. He's replaying. Like, why are you tweeting out that you hate the belt or why are you saying you hate the belt? That's exactly what he wants. That's exactly what he got. Everybody hates Burberry. Nobody has to say it anymore. Like,
2: if you see someone out in Burberry, you're just kind of like, oh, God, that's kind of awful. That's why Max wears it. <laughs> Like, funny,
1: that. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was it was a top-tier move, um, and it was another layer to what Max kind of needed to do to cement himself in this role for a while. Like, you know his reign is going to be quite long because not only did he say it, but because he has got his own version of the belt.
0: It's not uncommon for champions to have sort of a customization to belts. We've seen it numerous times. We've had, uh, like Stone Cold got the Smoking Skull belt back in the Attitude Era for the WWF at the time. And we've seen even more recently within AEW, we've had the original TNT title was red and then we changed it to uh, Blackstrap more recently when Scorpio Sky had... The TNC Championship, he had a uh, slight change, sort of Laker colors, things like that. So it's not uncommon to...
1: Nero had the gorgeous white one. Oh, that was the
0: best version. Of course. So having a little bit of an alteration, specifically like on a strap or maybe like a color scheme, isn't out of the realm of possibility. But like you mentioned, MJF does these really, really good sort of old school... 1970s house show heat things and sort of not necessarily the lowest hanging fruit but he kind of smart sort of antagonizing folks in a simple manner sort of a complex manner and just having the belt have a bit of that Burberry pattern is a really nice touch to just very very simple it reminds folks of maybe when they see it visually of the the piece about uh, MJF and kind of the this sort of status and this kind of thing and just can kind of get people riled up and we've seen that for sure so I think it was a nice little tactical move by MJF and AEW to do that
1: it's it's definitely it gives him uh, or rather his opponents low hanging fruit later on so whenever you do have these people you know to hearken back uh, to Things that we had, um you know, belt changes that we've seen. People hated Brian Danielson's Daniel Bryan's hemp version of the WWE Championship, the wood and hemp. People hated that so much, so that whenever Kofi Kingston fantastically beat him in in WrestleMania, you saw Xavier and Big E with the the cloth office uh, office brand spanking you obviously the the previous version belt for kofi and handed that to him instead of the, the 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 other belt so you have that sort of thing going for you as well that
2: you know we will see and it would be fantastic poetry just absolutely amazing if
1: somewhere down the line daniel Bryan, brian danielson is the one to beat uh, MJF and him to restore a belt, much like he ruined a belt before. I think that would be perfectly funny. Um, but that's just that's way down the line. Uh, I just like the fact that we have this sort of man, that belt is so ugly, and then MJF continues to wear it, you know, and continues to piss people off. It's going to be fantastic.
0: Yeah, good call on remembering Ryan Danielson, Daniel Bryan's Hempyweight Championship. It'd be a very, very interesting nod to see. You had to do that when I took a drink. Sorry, (laughs) bro. It would be very interesting to see if, uh, if Brian does indeed hold a ring of honor or an AW championship, if he might want to have a little bit of customization on, uh, the Hempyweight championship from WWE.
2: You know what? It never even twigged with me
1: and I've never heard that it called that. and not, that, that has tickled me. <laughs> That's anyway.
0: Shout outs to the good brothers of OSW and Matthew from Botchamania for reminding me of that nomenclature. So thank you, fellas.
2: <laughs> That's great.
0: All right. We kick back into the promo here. And just after mentioning the bidding war of 2024. Max will make more in one day than anyone in the crowd will make in their whole life. He just hopes the right con puts the bill. And he ain't talking about Tony. He's talking about his boy, jolly old Saint Nick, and his other boy, The Game Trips. And if he's being completely transparent, Max doesn't even know wrestling company wins the bidding war sick and tired of looking at grotesque professional wrestling fans on a weekly basis. So maybe Hollywood wins. But he's not deaf. Max knows there's an interesting amount of us who are happy for him to win the title. And okay, sure. But Max, sure, Max is sure that excitement will turn to resentment. Because fans are fickle. And soon we'll be complaining about him never wrestling and being a coward. And he says great, because he knows we'll keep tuning in every single week. He says he will defend the title rarely, and wrestle rarely, because he's a special attraction. In order to see him defend the title, 9 times out of 10, we'll have to reach into our pockets and buy pay-per-view. He's gonna have a world title reign that makes Hulk Hogan's look short and sweet and make Bruno San Martino roll in his crappy little grave. So another nice little touch here, talking about the, his friend Jolly Old Saint Nick and uh, Paul as well. So referring to the WWE, nice little bit of heat. When you can kind of make those references there. And then he goes on to sort of talk about a little bit of his plan. Never gonna defend a title. Very, very rarely. The notion that he uses the verbiage special attraction. So we've seen it sort of before in various companies and, and even, you know, recently and then as well as back in, in the, the 70s and the 80s, you know, we would have the the big champion come to your town and fight your sort of local hero challenger and things like that. So we've seen that sort of that nature come out about before. And then of course, talking about wanting to have a title reign length that rivals some of the bigger names in history. So nice little touches here again, still getting heat while telling a story.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: and I love the fact that he called himself a special attraction. Most recently, uh, for in the last decade, uh, we would have had that um, specific sort of uh, terminology used for people like the Undertaker, for people like Brock Lesnar. You know, these are the guys who would show up rarely, mainly only at pay-per-views, every so often. And even more recently, that can be added to Roman Reigns. Um, So these kinds of things they're not talked about like roman reigns is not telling us he is a special attraction it's implied um because he says well i don't need to be on tv it's like you know i'm gonna be at home with my family and all this here and then it's just implied that he thats because he's a special attraction he doesn't need to be on every friday night he doesn't need to be on every monday and that's that's something that people complained about with Brock and, uh, you know, with with other people whenever they held a championship and they weren't there fighting for it. And then you had people like Seth Rollins calling Brock out, saying, you know, he was never there. So you're going to have these players come into the world of MJF and you're going to have them mimic these storylines, whether by accident or intentional. Because these, this sort of thing has been done before. A champion who does not fight all the time has been done before. But the thing is, we have had these fighting champions up until now, even so much as to say that even Chris Jericho was a fighting champion, even though he was a heel. He was and is now as the Ring of Honor uh, champion. He's a fighting champion. MJF is the first to admit in AEW... He's a special attraction, and he is not gonna fight for you. He is gonna make you pay him to put on his boots. Like, that is the only thing. I am the top of this, the top of this company, you will pay
2: me. Because I am worth it. And I think that's smart. I think it's smart to address it. Because if you let people um, if
1: you let people figure it out for themselves, then yes, they will become fickle, they will become annoyed, but then you have people like me who are expecting character development and and, and uh, expecting things to go a specific way. I fully expected MJF to continually make people jump through hoops and, and not fight, because that's how I have known MJF i love the fact that he's going to do this now the only reason i'm going to hit his run is if it gets boring is he doing the same thing is he going to do the trials of jericho or whatever it was you know the 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 labors of jericho i believe it was because he's going to continually do that kind of crap um then you can reuse that maybe once every couple of feuds, sure, but mm, I don't want to see him doing the same thing over and over and over again, and that's the only reason I'm going to get bored. Otherwise, I love what they're doing. I think Special Attraction MJF suits him down to a T, and yeah, the, uh, got the old St. Nick and Trips reference in there, I don't think that was lost on anyone, but I do think the
2: Hollywood thing was just one of those things he's not going to be leaving wrestling for a while
0: he does a really good job again of sort of getting these or making these small statements that just get people riled up so the nature of him sort of addressing that hey i'm gonna kind of continue to to kind of be me and, and be heel and and defend very very rarely and wrestle rarely and you know, mention it, the people kind of jumping through hoops thing. So it's not often when you can get a heel who comes out and sort of makes that affirmative statement and then sort of it comes true or kind of, or it's sort of cemented a lot of times if a heel's making a, a statement sort of in that vein, they have meant to eat crow and, and it basically the opposite happens. So the nature of Sort of the heir apparent fighting champion, where we've seen you mentioned with Chris Jericho with the Ring of Honor, the previous champion Moxley, just always being sort of apparent and and having challenges and things like that. So we have the juxtaposition here with Max just coming out and saying like, "You might see me, you might not, and it's only going to be special occasions when I'm actually going to wrestle for the championship." So a nice little interesting piece, maybe. A Happy little accident we can have is maybe other folks are elevated in his place perhaps With uh, him not kind of being there every once in a while, but yeah to your point about Maybe hopefully it doesn't get sort of long in the tooth or the piece he made about fans being fickle we all we want is for the for the characters and the stories to be compelling enough for us to tune in and so long as the creative from tony khan can do that i'm still good for kind of riding this out and see how it goes
1: yeah 100 i really i really want them to uh make sure that they get this right because an awful lot rides on this not just for the aw championship but for mjf and his growth in the company and for the growth of the company um he could, be, he could be put down as one of the greatest champions that we're going to see, not because of the fights that he has, but the reign that he has. And that is the main thing that we have to sort of make sure that we get right. And at the same time, like you mentioned there as well, they have the opportunity to elevate other titles because they didn't do such a great job with the TNT title for a while. They haven't been doing such a great job with AEW Tank Championships for a while. Uh, outside of the acclaimed obviously winning them. You know, we love the acclaimed. Everybody loves the acclaimed. Um, and then the trios titles and the All Oceans, Atlantic, Pacific, Irish Ocean Championship as well. Like that one, that one could also do with some uh even though you know it is being defended and it's being defended well, that could do do with some shine. Like, if we are taking the big belt off because let's face it john moxley was a fighting champion he was fighting it maybe every couple of weeks on dynamite or on rampage you know he was constantly defending it something we won't see for for a while um i really the, this is the opportunity where we put the tnt title currently on big joe um to uh to the top of the tree um we elevate that a bit more Um, And we bring in, obviously, we have the ongoing storyline with the trios, uh, the trios title that we talked about last week. Uh, We bring in the tag titles and then we intermix with the the All Oceans Irish Championship, Irish Ocean Championship there as well. So as well as the women's, you know, this is this is this is completely besides, you know, adding in more uh, more women's wrestling as well, making sure the show is is fair and balanced having more women's main events in there. This taking away of this big belt leads to so
0: many opportunities
1: for the men's and women's divisions and for each individual division uh, within the company.
0: Yeah, I think the the side note, like you mentioned, of the rarely defended, rarely appeared world champion can have opportunities spring up for supporting other members of the roster and other championships. So let's see how it does it. Play out indeed. Alright, on the go home of the promo here, Max returns. Oh, but Max almost forgot. He wanted to say, without the brass knuckles and without William Regal, none of this was possible. And this may not, and they may not like it, but everybody in and around this business respects Regal. And he just wanted to say, from the bottom of his heart, MJF blindsides Regal with the brass knuckle punch to the back of the head of William Regal. Max paraphrases his email from years ago and says he only hires top-tier talents before leaving. We see ringside doctor Doc Sampson check on Regal. Brian Danielson runs down to check on his mentor
2: as he is stretchered out of the arena.
0: Yep. Talk about an exclamation point on that promo.
1: Yeah, obviously, my earlier point of like, let's not repeat everything, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is why he was mentioning the email, because he then wanted to reference it as he blindsided. So, everybody out there thinking to themselves, oh, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. I got it. I 100% got it. I just didn't care for the opening part of it. So, that's just me. I thought
2: that this, especially, was better in the fallout than the actual action. The
1: it felt as he was walking around, as he was doing all this. I was like, yeah, he's gonna, gonna knock him out. Like you know, everybody sees it coming from a mile away. This is not typical MJF things. This isn't sneaky. This isn't surprising. You know, we can see this happening. I'm from a mile away. So, yeah, yeah, and obviously with the current rumors uh, that have been going around surrounding William Regal, which we won't get into, uh, or I will try not to get into anyway, um, he is he is being written off AEW TV. So 100%
2: understand, understand the reason why uh, this was done. Um, love the fallout from it. Execution was a wee bit janky for me, personally.
0: Yeah, there's numerous rumors under the sun about William Regal, but really what the interaction in this particular promo, I, I mentioned it before, it's an exclamation point, it's sort of a stamp on it to sort of, one, write William Regal off of this potential storyline and kind of let him do whatever he's going to do, but then also cement the the, the villainry of MJF, which Regal has mentioned before, and he, he even mentioned earlier in the promo in that email about how he can be sort of the greatest villain of this particular generation, or perhaps of all time. So to kind of get that cowardly villainous act of just, you know, knocking out essentially a, uh, a non-wrestler or an, and a person who is well-respected a villain or uh, face as well. And then someone who has had injuries as well. So, I mean, you're just talking about getting heat and kind of getting uh, an, oh, man, what, what just happened kind of moment and sort of shocking off from the fans. And the announcers of Excalibur, I believe Taz and uh, Tony Schiavone selling it too. So we're just cementing the fact that he's a no-good Downright son son of a bee. And right there with the emphatic hitting of Regal, that pretty much did it. So he is trying to MGF for that matter. Cement the nature of him just being a villain, being a heel. This is how I'm gonna start to start off my reign and the sort of next chapter in my career with how ruthless I'm gonna be. It's all about me. And With those actions and with this promo, he is letting us know what's basically going to happen in the future.
2: Yeah, I um. Did you know, by the way, William Regal had a bleed on the brain? Did you Did you know?
0: I've I knew a little bit about sort of his.
1: It's more so. It's more so because the commentators did not spend but two seconds telling us every every second. You know, I was like. Yeah, we know because he told us himself. We know what he's had done. And it was just like <laughs> and they just continually told us everything to do with William Regal. It's like, boys, we know.
0: It looked really, really good. I don't know if you know, but did you know that Michin in Korean means crazy? Did you know Really? <gasps>
2: i did not know that oh wait, i just no,
0: found I that out i did yeah, I no
1: i out. did yeah because yeah, they yeah. told us the very first time that they called what, what does michin mean? it means it a crazy in korean and then
0: and then the second time and then her like third appearance and then her backstage yeah but that's none other so.
1: somebody some like, to go off on a rant somebody
2: then i can't remember which commentator it was said it was japanese and i just went are you nuts voice do you just listen
0: yes anyway we have to keep reiterating because you know sometimes but notwithstanding yeah i think the commentators selling the nature of kind of the injury and kind of just trying to help mjf get that heat is is it's sort of their job it's to put the talent over but
1: their their tone here was was better than their actual message in my opinion their tone uh was grave, it was concerning, um, and I thought it did an awful lot to help the situation. However, that was sort of uh offset by the fact that they kept mentioning the bleed on the brain and the same things over and over and over again. It sounds really, really bad, so I get why they were saying it, but just repeating it doesn't you know, we're we're watching the footage along with you. We see he's being escorted off to the back. We see that there's blood uh, on the mouth. Um, obviously, you know, uh well, we had to have that. So I really like I said, the fallout from it was an awful lot better than the execution. Um the the steps leading up to this point were a wee bit janky. Um, uh, but
2: they did what they did. And uh yeah, it looks like Daniel
1: Bryan, Bryan Downison, uh American Dragon, man who comes out of the opposite tunnel to all the rest of the BCC, is um is probably going to be his first real challenge after the uh, the gimme that is, um, Mr. Vicky Stonks.
0: Yeah, so we hit on a little bit of the part-time appearance and sort of part-time defenses, but. When we talk about a champion sort of wanting to cement his legacy and and type of thing. In regards to a championship, we hear it at nauseam sort of about the intercontinental championship and now we're actually doing something about elevating it, sort of being prestigious, but where do we think the nature of MJF is going to elevate the championship? The old adage of the title makes the man, the man makes the title. And we've seen strong representation and solid runs. We think about Jericho to Mox, to then Kenny Omega to Hangman, and and these pieces. So we've we've had some we we've had uh, CM Punk excluded just because we didn't get to see him really with the championship or kind of fight stuff. So, and that's not a knock on him. It's just what sort of happened in the in the piece there, but. The nature so of
1: times he it, he vacated it immediately. So yeah, hundred percent. He doesn't count.
0: <laughs> just in this particular aspect, but where I'm going with this is we've seen guys with with solid runs and where Where do we see about him and his and his relationship with the belt and the belt elevating him and him elevating the belt? Where where do you see? Where What are your thoughts?
1: Well, th- this is this is the big
2: thing like um the man makes the title, in my opinion. Like, the title is made by the people
1: who have held it before um, and by the previous competition, uh, their previous storylines, who they maybe defended against, who, what they've done while holding that title. It's why I said that Hangman's reign, his first reign with this belt, let's face it, he's going to have more, was not a successful he had to come off a really, really, really strong Kenny Omega reign, who was the belt collector at the time. So Kenny elevated that belt by fighting all the time, winning multiple belts, being the champ, and then eventually lost them all. Like, he had this aura around him, as did Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, you know, he whenever he eventually got the belt back, because if we remember the very first time he got the belt, uh, he um, left it in a limo and lost it. So that was a great first outing for the belt. Uh, but he elevated that by having really, really good matches um, against individuals such as Cody and, and and Omega and and so on and so forth. And it's just one of those things that he is MJF, uh, pronoun boy. He, he has to um,
2: sort of do something a bit different. A lot of these champions have fought better talent uh, or
1: stronger and stronger talent, different talent from other companies, things like this here. He is going, by his own admission, to not defend the belt as regularly. We will probably see Revolution be his next. Main defense, which is in March. Uh, we will probably see uh you know another one a couple months after that. Uh so how do you case these things? And for me, it is not so much give him talent to allow them to shine, but give him ready-made named talent and have him put on matches. They get progressively harder and harder and harder. So, if he can beat Kenny Omega, if he can beat John Moxley again, if he can beat Brian Danielson, you know, if he can beat these guys, I don't want to see him fight the Ricky Starks. I don't want to see him fight the Eddie Kingston's. These guys aren't meant to be in the sphere for MJF right now. This guy is meant to be doing what uh, Roman is doing right now. They are supposed to be building their way up to him. They get on his radar, and then he goes, okay, I'll fight you, but just to make sure that you're worth it, do this one thing for me. And that's how I expect to see the rain go for him. Um, And it's just one of those things that he's going to be the sneaky guy that gets out of it. Um. I don't I don't I don't know I just I just feel like he has to be completely different from every other champion and for once I that's the best answer I've got is to do it that way I'm not 100% sure on how you break the formula in this in this regard because it's so unique
0: I'm in agreement. so once that you need to do something different to stand out So I'll agree with you on that and we're trying we're setting the expectation It's going to be a rare title defenses and with that piece there We want to make sure that when it's defended It's against a strong contender that they're going to have a really really good fun match and a strong match and That the storyline makes sense for them to be clashing and fighting for the title. So with that I'll agree we need some strong contenders uh, a Kenny or 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 a John, the rematch or whoever we get into, to to face him, maybe an eventual Hangman push because we've I mean that that potential rivalry has has harkened back to the very very first pay per view with that Casino Battle Royale to face off the winner against Omega and Jericho to f- see who's going to face the uh, the first become the first World Title Championship holder so. Yeah, I think there's potential matchups there. But how do we differentiate the aforementioned good storyline, strong challengers, and strong matches? So I feel like that's how we need to work our way towards that so he can have a strong reign amongst the folks who have held it before. Now, we've mentioned a couple folks that we've thought can make strong challengers and who we face. Obviously, he has the match against. Ricky Starks coming up shortly. He's mentioned the likes of Brian Danielson. We've talked about a potential John Moxley. There's always a Kenny Omega's a strong contender, but do those guys make sense? Do you feel like there could be other folks that are maybe a sort of dark horse that could be a contender for him? What do you think, brother?
2: So, the, the current Obvious choice
1: is Brian Danielson uh, to be his first main contender. Uh, after the Ricky Starks, Ricky Starks is a gimme. Like, uh, like I said, I'm I'm not really including Ricky Starks. Not to, to be a slight on Ricky Starks, but because that one is already locked in the books, we don't have to speculate about that one. That one's happening. So Brian Danielson,
2: um, I feel like will be a uh, sort of uh, first real opponent for him, uh, whether or not he
1: will, uh, have to contend in some backstage segments, you know, chase him down, do sorts of things like this here, um, and get him into that. Because, uh, I, I do agree with the Hangman stuff, but it looks like Hangman is going into a feud with Moxley over this uh, King Kong Lariat business, um. Which, by the way, I love the fact that Moxley is like already kind of giving him grief about that. So that's looking good. That's a strong, uh, a strong match that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing again. Hopefully, this time everybody remains safe. Um. So I I feel like
2: Hangman will be there down the line, maybe summertime, probably somewhere in there. Um. Whether or not he is
1: the guy to take the belt off of MJF, I don't see it. I don't want Hangman to have a second reign off of the back of somebody who is primed to have a really good reign. Do you know what I mean? Hangman needs to be able to beat this person and outshine them in the same same kind of regard.
0: Because he had that tough follow-up off of Omega's reign.
1: Which I mentioned earlier, yeah. Uh, so yeah, 100%. Don't want him having to, you know... It, it's, sometimes it's hard to follow the previous act. Um, and that's just the case for... I, I need Hangman's next reign to go really, really well for him. Um, so I, I can see those two in there. I can see a Moxley return. Uh, a little bit of a mini feud in there. Um I can even see uh as unrealistic as it might be for them to win a uh, a Wardlow uh, feud, um which will result in Wardlow not getting a title shot. Um I would like to see that I would like actually like to see that scenario play out, not specifically with Wardlow, but for them to
2: have Max get someone to jump through hoops and for them to feel then like no 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 you didn't you didn't pass the test
1: therefore you're not getting to the final boss um i I would like that idea uh honestly that would be something fresh something new um i don't really have any names now though because kenny omega uh for me personally would be a good name to be putting in there with him but currently embroiled in other situations um I would like to see Pac. Pac would be good to elevate to that level. Um, but he's not one to play
2: the games, so don't see that sort of meshing. Uh who else? Honestly, you would have to leave it
1: with leave it with me, and I'd have to look through the roster and think. But those are the sort of immediate names. Like Kenny Omega, Pac, Hangman, uh, Moxley. Bri, Bride, Bridey, whatever you want to call him. Um, you know, those would be the kind of immediate names. The, the ready-made stars that I said that you have to put him against, you can't put him against uh, the likes of Ethan Page, who needs to be built up, Kip Sabian, who needs to be built up. You know, you can't put him against these other people who need to be elevated to even be considered good enough to be in the same realm as him. Um, so yeah, you have to use the already established stars.
0: Yeah, I'm in agreement that we have these sort of perennial strong challengers in the the aforementioned Brian Danielson, of course, the John Moxleys, things like that. I think the longer term storyline of a hangman, potentially like a summer time, could be could be a piece if he's built up. With the notion of it being defended on a sort of rarely basis. Let's let's throw a random dark horse in there if we can build them up and have a strong push and and feel like a credible Contender or challenger Like the likes of a jungle boy perhaps just getting a title shot and worked up may he doesn't have to win per se But like all right, just have a really just strong match and make us believe that Man he could he could pull it out in the end things like that. So Obviously when we talk about the title makes the man the man makes the title we have a strong personality that can carry a promo, carry a match, carry these shows and people want to look forward to seeing them. And hopefully we have the storylines that can cement that and, and have those embroiled and strong notions of wanting to watch these and wanting to buy the show, run, run our hands deep into our pockets to buy those pay-per-views so we can see MJF defend his title. Those were our thoughts on MJF's promo and what he's got coming up for the future of the AEW championship. Let us know down in the comment section below or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and let us know what your thoughts are on MJF as AEW
2: world champion.
0: All right here, coming up to... Our next topic here Sami Zayn cements his place in the bloodline. Now, we'll just come out kind of uh, and say it here. This will probably be a little bit of an extended, quick hit section because uh, folks that have been following the show and following us know that we have been enamored with Sami Zayn and the bloodline and Jey Uso and the ins and outs and the enthralling nature of what this storyline has been. So. We're going to hit on some, some topics here and sort of talk about the latest sort of chapter beats in here. And I'm just looking forward to discussing this one much like yourself. I'm very sure.
1: Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like, I feel like both, both of our, our, big topics, like this is going to be a big episode Feel like both of these topics are because like we we've loved both of them. And we've a lot to say on both of them. So if you like the sound of our voices, then fantastic. You get to hear more of us go on for probably another R per editing PT is crying in the corner, but it's okay because we get to talk about the bloodline and Sammy's Z and I.
0: All right. So when we last left this story, we were talking about the lead into war games and the nature of Sammy lying to Jay in regards to a conversation that he had with Kevin Owens so we're picking up the next story beat here. Before the Bloodlines War Games match, Jey Uso goes to Roman Reigns with his concerns about Sami Zayn. Jey said he warned them about Sami Zayn. From day one, as soon as we started hanging around Sami Zayn, he couldn't be trusted. He's the reason why we lost last night, referring to the advantage match against Drew McIntyre and Sheamus on SmackDown. I saw him and Kevin Owens outside the locker room, chopping it up, and he lied right to my face. The only reason I didn't get him was because you didn't give the order. What are we going to do about it? Of course, referring to the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Roman responds telling Jay, you're going to go out there and be the right-hand man. And I'm going to be the tribal chief and worry about everything else. And regarding Sammy, Roman exclaims, I'm going to look him in the eyes, man to man, and I'll know if he's telling the truth. I'll know
2: where his loyalties lie. Jay leaves, and Roman tells Paul Heyman, Get me Sammy. So coming hot off the heels of
0: the last interaction like we mentioned, Sammy quote-unquote lying to Jay, oh man, just, we're seeing Jay come and it. seek guidance from the Tribal Chief.
1: Absolutely loved it. I legit saw this and was like, oh, I like the camera work, literally the camera work between the the Sammy and, and Kevin talking. And Jay listening at the door, and you're just like,
2: dude, dude, dude. and you're like, oh, he's still there, he's catching his own, yeah, wide shot. You're like, yes. This is the, this is the, like,
1: everybody was sat there, you know, I, I say everybody, referring to the royal, I am the royal, everybody. Like, I was just sat there going, yes, they're gonna do, we're gonna see some progress. Um, because this is the main thing that I've wanted for this storyline, yes, as much as we have loved the bloodline. As much as we have loved everything that they have been doing, and I mean they, as in Sami and Jay, because Roman is the satellite that orbits this main juicy story, this me and Usi story, if you will, of Jay and Sami, that has been keeping the the, the tribal chief on the island of relevancy relevant. If I'm perfectly honest, so we see a further chapter being written tonight, and I thought it was fantastic.
0: Can't agree with you more. I mentioned it definitely offline in our conversations, and we alluded to it in the previous episode, that the most important thing or thing we were looking forward to during the War Games pay-per-view was how this particular match was going to play out. So to have these couple little story beats right before and then leading into the match and sort of reinforcing the just the layered storyline is just ooh just salivating at the at the notion of what what's going to happen in this upcoming match so. yeah
1: yeah it was uh, I, f- I feel like the the uh the the call to have them lose the advantage match was great uh because that in itself added to the nature of the story like of who went in who was the first to go in? I was absolutely loving the fact that Jay was the first to go in. Freaking loved that. That was that was the thing. And then that the good guys were going to get the advantage. Um, it was something we discussed last. I think it was last week or on the uh, on the um uh, prediction show that I did say that I wanted to see because well Roman has to go in last. <laughs> no one follows the tribal chief. So the fact that that was the thing and that was The Order, Um, it really made me happy to see that not only are we thinking in terms of what's outside the ring, but how best to push this story inside the ring, because there was the real work from behind Hale aspect here um and you sort of questioned whether or not you were with sammy or you were against Sa- or you were against the bloodline because you know it, it was it was that sort of thing like if, if you're against a bloodline you have to be against sammy but you want to be with sammy because you love everything he's doing
2: so it was um such a good such a good match such a good build up to the match as well
0: all right we see the next chapter beat we see Sammy arrive, talk to Roman. Sammy arrives in the Bloodline locker room to talk to Roman. Roman asks Sammy about last night. Were you talking to KO? Roman asks. Sammy sheepishly glances away, almost as if caught, and says, Yeah, I talked to him. Then
2: Roman asks, Why did you lie to Jay?
0: Sammy says, I withheld some information. Sammy lied to Jay because he had a huge match and he didn't want to put that on his plate before said match. Jay already has issues trusting Sammy and he wouldn't have understood. If Sammy's being honest, he didn't talk to Kevin. He sat there and listened and then Owens left and that's the truth. Roman asks what KO said. And Sammy tells him that he told him to turn on the bloodline before they turn on him. Rain says he gets that Kea was his friend. But he needs Zane to understand that this is his family. This is his blood. And he needs Sammy to look him in the eyes and know if, if he's with them or if he's going to stab them in the back. Zane looks him in the eyes and tells him he's with the bloodline. There are five people on the whole planet allowed to walk into the bloodline locker room. Sammy's one of them. Sammy appears to get choked up and says, That means the world to me. He's not going to let Roman down tonight or any night. Sammy is with the bloodline.
2: Roman stares at him for a long moment and stands up. He tells Sammy to get up. Sammy does. Roman looks at Sammy as a grin cracks across his face and exclaims, let's do it. And they hug. The tensions. The
0: tensions running high in that locker room.
2: One thing you didn't mention
1: though was that face on Roman as he gave Sammy that hug because we saw the face and the face was a little bit borderline angry, like there was a little bit of rage simmering there. Like, not sure if I trust this guy. Um, so yeah, clearly his uh, his his psychic powers weren't working uh, that that uh, in that little segment because he uh, he said he was able to tell what uh, was going on, but still looked confused slash angry. So might want to might want to get get your uh radar checked there mr tribal chief
0: i gotta give roman a lot of credit because in sort of this new characterization of roman he does this thing where he doesn't speak often and sort of when he's when he's allowing these other cursory players to kind of play things out he's he's sort of reacting he'll he'll look he'll kind of nod or smile or kind of you know sort of looked uh, com- contemplative and he does this sort of uh, brewing underneath the surface type of thing and the specifically the, the piece when sammy after telling him that he's means the world to him that he's allowed in the locker room and things like that and he's you can see sammy almost getting a little emotional when he's saying that and, and kudos to sammy for the acting is well done and him just stewing kind of rubbing his hands and then he gets up and and this is all without like literally like saying anything. So, and then kind of tells him to get up and you're still unsure. Like, is he just going to cold cock him? And he puts his arms down and says, let's do it. And you're like, Oh man. So you just, you your mind is building like, cause you don't know, you don't know with verbatim, you don't know with words, he's not giving away too much emotion. You feel like it's maybe leaning towards one thing. And it's like, so, Kudos again to Roman for just going with this new characterization and just kind of running with it. He's doing just a phenomenal job with it.
1: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, Real interesting characters,
2: let's say. Um, They know how to not only use the words that they speak, but also how to use the silence in between those words. So
1: it's a real improvement on the development of this Roman character, like you said, that he doesn't feel like he has to fill the air with his words because whatever he says is important and has to be listened to at any given time. I hearken back to the time whenever I was talking about the Jake the Snake promos how he never raised his voice, how he always spoke in a low tone, how he, he was this pastor-like person. He, he sort of spoke one way without, and he, he, without trying to talk over anyone else. He always made you want to listen to him. And that's the way Roman's currently playing this. The words that he speaks, and he's probably being told to do this by anyone else, are important. He doesn't need to tell people he's important. He has people to do that for him. Note, he never really calls himself the Tribal Chief anymore. Everybody else surrounding him does that. They say, you're the Tribal Chief. You you are the guy. You are the stop. You're the This. So he very rarely says, I'm the Tribal Chief,
2: because it has been a few weeks since he said it himself. Um... It's just one of those things that I really like
1: because it also cements the fact that we have these two chatterboxes in Jay and Sami doing all the work and doing the actual storytelling, uh, and he is that problem solver, that chief
2: uh, of, the, of the tribe who people would bring their problems to to solve
0: much like music or much like a monologue or a dialogue when you're acting on a stage or in a play, the silence is just as important as the words and the sounds that you make. So you know, you have to be cognizant of pacing and you have to be understanding of your sort of dance partner or your, your bandmates or the other person acting in the scene. And to that end, we have the role of I don't want to say sort of the blabbering idiot, but that little bit more of a sort of, sort of nervous mouse, the uh, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, kind of always worried about time elements in Sammy trying to like, am I in trouble? Am I, uh, I'm nervous. so I'm going to talk a little bit more, but he's in, it's not fully that, but he gets, he gets that point across and you have this partnered with a sort of stoic uh, character in Roman where I'm, feeling like i'm in trouble and i'm trying to work my way out of it but you can't get a read on the person so yeah just just again the knowing when and what to say is just as important as the words that are not said so again kudos to both these guys for putting on a very very compelling segment
2: 100 was great
0: all right moving on to the war games and match now proper Moving forward to the War Games match, Jay is the first to enter for the bloodline. He initially faces off against Butch. After Butch targets Jay's injured right hand, he is soon outnumbered when Ridge Holland enters the match. As the clock ticks down, we see Jimmy preparing to enter for the bloodline to even the odds. However, Roman intervenes and has Sammy enter second to fight alongside Jay. At one point, Ridge Holland gets the best of Jay, stomping him and beating him up against the cage. As Ridge prepares to squash Jay against the cage, Sammy pulls Jay out of harm's way at the last moment, saying, I got you. Jimmy's the next to enter for the bloodline. Before he enters the cage, Jimmy brings three tables into the ring. Jay and Sammy argue over who would set up the table And they get into a shoving match as Jimmy tries breaking it up. Reigns, still in the shark cage, shakes his head, watching this all unfold. The Usos and Sammy do pull it together and fight off Butch and Ridge Holland. After all the men have entered the match, we see them pair off. Sheamus lays Roman out with a knee and goes for a broke kick. But hits solo Sokoa. And then Seamus gets hit with a spear from Roman. Pete Dunn. Butch himself breaks up the pinfall. Sammy beats Butch up and yells at him about not messing with the tribal chief. Jay goes for a super kick on Butch, but Butch ducks, and Jay nails Sammy instead. Jimmy goes to check on him
2: but Jay pulls him away.
0: So now that we're into the match proper, oh boy. I like the fact that we see Jay starting off the matchup. Strong man, Roman's right-hand man, his sergeant at arms, and hold it down. Again, you have forementioned that the bloodline lost the advantage match, so the babyfaces get the advantage here. So we see almost, at times, reversals of roles in face and sort of heel dynamics. And we've talked about, while we see the Brawling Brutes team basically as a as a face contingent, we really don't see the Bloodline as heels. We sort of see them sort of as an island onto himself and sort of these tweener characters. So we do see these little story beats within the match where they kind of switch switch. These little archetypes, face and heel, heel and face. But the nature of itself, of the bloodline fighting from underneath and and trying to overcome the, the numbers advantage with the little bit of tensions kind of fighting amongst themselves. We see, although earlier, Sammy tries to save Jay, he does the good thing about saving his team member. They fight over the table. And that bit of a dissension at the end where we see Jay accidentally hitting Sammy with the super kick. All adding again layers and then trying to see what's going to happen in this match. Are we going to hold it together? Or are we all going to fall apart?
2: Yeah, it, it was definitely a lot of stuff that kind of personally.
1: I would never have seen any of this happen under VKM. Uh the Heels would have won the uh the the match. Like, let's let's say for let's say for example he he actually relented and thought war games was a good idea, so we had this under VKM. The um the advantage match would have went to the Heels. They would have had the advantage so that they could be then put into, which would not have made any sense.
2: In terms of storyline, now it would have made sense for the Hales to have it. I completely agree, but in terms of storyline, the
1: way that this match is set up makes the most sense. The Hales are in a place of, will you call them tweeners? There, I I disagree. They are who they are. They are Hales. They are the Hale faction, and there is nothing that is really making them tweener apart from the fact that everybody loves Sammy. It's not because of their actions, it's not because of anything other than Sammy is winning everybody over, Sammy is making people fall in love with these characters because they're doing stupid stuff that he is hamming up. And that is the the, the only way you can really look at it. Because Jimmy is still a Hale, he is still doing stuff uh, with his brother, who they're acting like the Hale guys solo is the enforcer that is who he is and roman is who he is these guys are all completely anti good guy they are not good guys there's let's just put that right there okay let's leave that right there for to stew on and then you have these guys butch and uh and ridge come in do the two-on-one-on-j That seems like it's supposedly a bad guy move to have a two-on-one sort of action, to have the advantage be for the good guys, but the good guys need that advantage because the bloodline is supposed to be strong. This is the one thing that we're, we're told. The bloodline is unbeatable, so you need to even the odds or gain an advantage. That is what we've been told in previous weeks by, uh, you know, by Seamus and the, and the lot bringing, um, bringing KO, uh, bringing Dru in to even these odds. But we all know that you still have to have that advantage. So the fact that we did not see the bloodline gain an advantage means that we had to see them deal with being on the back foot, which was great because you then saw everything being even once the tribal chief comes in, which makes him look even better because he is the anchor. He is the guy that comes in at the end and saves the day. Well, that's the effect that he has. Like that's the effect that it was supposed to have. That's the effect that it has. He's the big bad guy. He comes in, he wrecks face. He destroys a couple of people. Uh, and then, you know, gets
2: into a squabble with KO. So from there, you have the perfect story. Then you add in the fact that Sammy saved Jay, which I love. Then you have the fact that Jay accidentally
1: kicked Sammy and pulled Jimmy away from him. Like, no, 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 no leave him there. Fine. don't we don't need need to worry about that. All these little bits and pieces. This was my match of the night on a card that had Io Io Shirai in a bin, again. (laughs) You know, people jumping off top ropes, people jumping off the top of the the cage. You know, I I, I loved this match because it had two of my favourite characters in wrestling right now. Jimmy, or not Jimmy, Jay and Sami. And it had a big metal construct with which people could get their faces smashed up against. I, I can't say enough good things
2: about this match and enough good things about this pairing and this story.
0: I did like the fact that we did call after Roman gets in. He had his nice Hulk, Hogan, Hulkamania running wild, laying out all the members of the opposing team. I did appreciate that he had his little A baby face run a little spot there in the the match. I'm like, you friggin' guys.
1: (laughs) They they had they had to play it like that, and I I completely respect the way that they did it because yeah, it is flipped on its head. Like this would be uh this would be normally reserved for let's say Sheamus or Drew to come in and do all their five moves of Doom. Um, so it's one of those things that. You have to look at it from the fact that Roman Reigns is meant to be that equalizer. He is meant to be that guy who worries about all the things like he says. You know, I, I'm I'm meant to have all the solutions. He's the chief. He's the guy that who uh, will solve the problems. And I, I like the fact that they showed that. And I like the fact that we we weren't shying away from making the rest of the squad look
2: weak so that one guy could look strong.
0: Fair enough. It's all about the bloodline wins as a team or loses as a team, for sure. Yep. All right, later on, we see Roman go for a spear on Kevin Owens. Superkick blocks the spear into a pop-up powerbomb, takes Reigns down, kick to the gut, stunner! Sami Zayn breaks up the referee's Count before he can get to three. Owens and Zayn stare at one another, or Owens yells at Sammy and the crowd a loudly chants Sammy Uso. Owens blocks a Jimmy super kick, and Zane gives Owens a low blow. Zane then looks at Roman before giving Owens a Haluva kick. Sammy then holds Kevin in his arms for a long moment, then looks at Jey Uso, offering Kevin up. The Bloodline win war games via pinfall with a diving splash from Jey Uso onto Kevin Owens. We see Roman hug Sammy and the crowd pops. Jay then gives Sammy a big hug, and the crowd pops even louder we close the pay-per-view with the bloodline posing together in victory
2: yep 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 yep
1: yep 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 big smile on my face uh for whenever they won i I'm gonna rewind really quickly though the sami interrupting the referee's pin count was amazing uh, we very rarely see people um, do this sort of messing with the referee, you always see them pulling them out, you know, pulling them out of the ring or something like that there. You very rarely would see them jumping on the ref and holding the arm and the ref going What are you doing? What are you doing? It's, it's kind of obvious what I'm doing. I really liked this interaction, because it just, it, it, instead of interrupting the count, and then just kind of going about your business, like you're holding on this ref's arm and you're looking at the guy dead in the face, going, you know, well, you know, this is this is where I lie. Uh so I really liked this sort of little interaction, which led on to the halloo kick, which led on to the uh um the fact that uh you know he offered up he offered up KO to Jay. Jay scrambles up, hits the frog splash, bish bash bosh, Jay gets the pin, which by the way, it was amazing. Um, I wasn't 100% expecting Jay to be the one to get the pin. Uh, I would have thought that, you know, it would have been Roman uh, would have taken it upon himself to do it, or it might have been Sami on, on KO, uh, but reluctantly to do so, you know. But uh, it was fine. And then Jay gave him a hug. Um, this is This is why I mean Roman is a satellite in this storyline. Because, yes, the crowd popped whenever uh, Sammy got the hug from Roman. But then we saw the big bear hug from Jay and everybody and myself. I I was so happy. I was happier than I've been in a long time to see this because this gave me two things. First, goosebumps. Second, a view to where we're going. And, like, I love the fact that they're building up this emotional connection only to have us completely dashed in the third act, and it's gonna be glorious. I cannot wait for the inevitable betrayal, I cannot wait for, uh, you know, the inevitable sort of situation where this whole storyline eventually comes to an end. Which there are spoilers out there if you want to go and read about them, you can. I'm going to refrain from you talking about them right now, but the spoilers are. So cool, I really want to see where they're going
2: with it. Um, but this sort of period of peace, as it were, it lulls people, into, lulls people into a false sense of security, which
1: I love. I think that this really is the beginning
2: of the end of the Bloodline storyline.
0: It's always calm before the storm, am I right? The notion that you brought up of, you're a bit surprised that Jay got the pin, sort of the victory for the bloodline, and you maybe lean towards Roman obviously being the tribal chief, runoff list of names, things like that, being the leader of the faction. I found it the way they told the story. The interactions, the little sprinkling of elements of Sammy saving Jay, Jay accidentally you know, hitting him with super kick, so it's kind of like mm, putting casting in doubt but then the nature of all right sammy's gonna break up the the pinfall right and then we have sammy sort of being that agent of not quite chaos but the uh the, the strong player in this particular piece hits his former friend sort of the the betrayal in that aspect sort of all stripping away the the tides the bind you know, holding, holding my brother in my arms. So that betrayal, boom. And then that piece where he locks eyes with Jay and he's like, hey, I'm, this is you. I got it. I, I helped out the family, I helped out the bloodline. I'm proving my worth to you, the man who doubted me all this time and trying to prove that I, I want to be here. I belong and having and having Jay be the one, sort of the one that we've seen through this roller coaster moment, by the nature of Sammy trying to prove himself, and these pieces of uh, various pieces of, of defending Jay and helping him, and Jay being that agent, that his Roman's lieutenant, his sergeant at arms, his right hand man, being the one to trying to protect his family and trying to protect the bloodline, and him being the one to cement this win for the family not quite at the cost of but in due part because of this person trying to prove his worth and stabbing his friend his best friend in the world of 20 years in the back to cement his place in the bloodline makes sense that roman can just be like hey i'm gonna let one of my lieutenants they're doing the dirty work i'm i'm here I'm rallying the troops, I'm the general, I'm organizing the things, I'm kind of directing traffic in a sense, they can do the things because I'm leading this war and I'm navigating and things like that. So where I'm going with this is because of the way they told the story and all the the parts that led us to that, it made sense for Jay in that instance to, to be the one to cement his place with Sammy cementing his place as well. And kind of the cards being the fence so i was okay with how it played out it actually and then obviously we saw the the post match with the little celebration i think it made sense and i and i'm okay with it so i i guess before maybe the match it would have kind of made sense for maybe i would agree with you roman to have been the guy maybe just he puts the foot on the chest of the person or whatever Is like i got this whatever it's no sweat but well
1: that's that's 100% what I mean because like it, you can make it make sense through those means like 100% but it was just the surprise that Roman was sat there looking at it going well they've done the work I am the tribal chief I will take credit for this because I am the bloodline like he is and that that's the way I was expecting it to happen Gotcha. because got that. that's what made the strongest sense in terms of the end of this like no matter who you are in within this
2: bloodline no one is greater than Roman and to me that would have probably looked better not only for not only for like
1: Jay and Sammy's sake but also to make him stronger because their story is is sort of running in tangent to his own sort of who's he going to fight next you know so to have jay do that frog splash and then immediately go for the pin and not be like frog splash look to roman get the nod and then take the pin kind of just to me felt a maybe that was the small bit that was off for me okay I I don't mind the fact that he did get the pin, and like I said, you can make it make sense a hundred percent. It's not like I'm like, I I hate the ending, but I felt like that was maybe the the tiny little uh, itch that I couldn't scratch, really, you know, kind of thing. Um, That maybe that small thing, I I might have missed it, I might might not even have seen the fact that Jay even looked at Roman and got the nod. But that should have that should have been one of the cases, or Roman should have, like you said, walked over, stood on KO, looked at him, and just smiled, looked at Sami, and uh, you know got the three count. But yeah, that's that's the
2: only small little thing that I didn't like about this.
0: Be that as it may, we see the bloodline living high after their victory and war game. On Monday Night Raw, see the next chapter play out here. On Monday Night Raw, the bloodline make their entrance. Jay says they went to war and war games. And he thinks he broke his hand for real. You see who's standing tall. Jimmy says for the first time ever, there are no cracks in the bloodline. Kevin Owens is a little bit mad back there because Sammy isn't his dog. He's their dog. Sammy has a serious moment with Jay, talking about how they haven't seen eye-to-eye, eye, but how the way they embraced at the end of the match was, who From here on out, bloodline business, they have to handle. Zayn says they're on the same page. He offers up a hand to Jay. Jay smiles it off for a second, before shaking it and embracing Sammy. Zane calls Jimmy into the hug, and he eventually joins enthusiastically. When they all turn to Stoic Solo, before he can give in and hug them, Kevin Owens enters. Sammy warns Kevin off from trying to fight, but Kevin says that's not why he's here at all. He's just here to tell Zane that he totally gets it. Kevin understands why he chose to do what he did on War Games. Because how many times throughout their career has Kevin done the exact same thing to Sammy? Kevin's not mad. He can't blame Sammy for it one bit. He's not here to fight, he's actually quite the opposite. Since War Games, Kevin can't help but think that for 20 years now, he and Sammy's careers have been linked. But after War Games, he doesn't want to fight, team, or ride to shows together. He doesn't want to have anything to do. With Sammy Zayn, Sammy says that's fine, and he feels exactly the same way, because he doesn't need Owens anymore. Sammy has family now. KO says he's genuinely happy for Sammy, because finally everyone in the WWE universe can see just how great Sammy is, and to see him get the recognition he deserves, Kevin loves it. But it doesn't matter how many times bloodline tells him they're in the family. or he calls them family, just remember this. He's not their real blood. Sammy will never be. Jay steps up and tells Sammy not to worry. He's got this. Kevin's just mad because he doesn't have any family around him. But check this out. If you've got a problem with Sammy Zane, you've got a problem with main event, Jay Uso. Kevin says he might be done with Sammy Uso, but he's not done with Jay. and he'll kick his ass later tonight. We fast forward, unfortunately, the match ends with Jay going up to the top rope, nobody home for a splash, kick to the gut, stunner, and it's over. Kevin Owens picking up the victory.
2: We see the bloodline, look on in disbelief. Another banger, man. I love the fact that KO is saying in this promo exactly
1: what a lot of us are thinking. We're so happy for Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is having the career renaissance, you know, of his life right now. It's
2: Fantastic to
1: see, um, you know everybody sitting there bad mouthing his match at WrestleMania with Johnny Knoxville, which I thought was fantastic uh, because you know Sammy is just an incredible worker and does incredible things, and everything he touches turns to gold. But it just seems like it goes unappreciated. It it, it seems like it's taken this time in the sunlight to really reflect everything that's great about this man and what he's able to bring to WWE. So you have KO, a longtime friend, and let's face it the day, KO came into the WWE, Uh, Sami Zayn was NXT champion, and that was their first rivalry. Like That was their first rivalry that they told on the indies that, that they told then in NXT. So, to see those two genuinely be happy for each other, we've seen it before and we'll see it again. And the fact that KO is expressing this was fantastic. And then I don't think that we saw main event Jey Uso beating KO. Let's face it, as much as I love Jey,
2: he's not beating KO. Um, took the pin on Saturday. Uh, probably gonna be Roman's next next big thing, isn't he? Like he, he's sort of
1: leading the charge on a what what are we in like the sixth take of trying to dismantle the bloodline at this point. So he's probably gonna try and spearhead this if he says I'm not done with main event J Uso. So um that'll probably lead him into uh into stuff with Roman which will be fantastic. Um
2: yeah but uh Definitely another banger, hundred percent.
0: I like the nature of you mentioned it as well as Ko did that. Sammy's stock honestly has never been higher as of right now. So I'm early in the year with the aforementioned match with Johnny Knoxville, sort of the the comedies stick. And although many fans and kind of pundits were kind of concerned of like, oh, you know, what's this gonna do for Sammy if he's getting. A match with a celebrity and it's it's a lot of gaga on his comedy but he just like you said he he has a way of taking things and just man hitting home runs with it and he just does a really really good job so the fact that to echo kevin's and your sentiments of him finally kind of getting the recognition just of of sort of the the entertainer that he can be is just it's phenomenal and, and I'm just glad. And like we've talked about, we just want to see these guys and gals just be successful and kind of run with it. But the nature of the piece here, Jay, you know, we've seen at so much time at odds with Sammy and self-admittingly for him to come and just be like, oh, I've got this. You got a problem with Sammy. You got a problem with me. Really like, man, the, the trust there. Jimmy saying, you know, there's no cracks in the, in the foundation of the bloodline. It's just phenomenal. So I, I felt the, the piece of having still KO in the bloodline picture that he's gonna sort of switch from that little bit of a, of a Sammy piece to maybe maybe working his way up the ladder to Roman, like through Jay and type of things like that, potentially a match with solo things of such. But yeah, I think it's, it's really cool, and we might end up seeing Kevin be sort of the next challenger, perhaps, at, at Royal Rumble, which he ended up facing, if I'm not mistaken, two years previous, the uh, 2000, maybe, against, or 2001, perhaps, whichever one he was that he faced off with uh, Roman and that last man standing type of thing. But yeah, sort of revisiting that, and it's looking like he could be the next contender, so...
1: Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that, like you said, he's going to work his way through whether or not it's um, going to be done by the time we get to the Royal Rumble. We'll see there. Maybe the main event of the Royal Rumble, uh,
2: which would be probably pretty fun.
0: All right, the next and last story beat we're going to talk about here. On Friday Night Smackdown, Sami Zayn, The Usos, and Soul Skoa enter the ring to a big reaction. Zayn speaks about the bloodline leveling up at Survivor Series, and he starts praising the Usos. But Jimmy interrupts. Jimmy notes tonight is about Zayn. Jimmy adds that Sami Zayn was the MVP and starts a Sami Uso chant. Jay Uso admits that Sami Zayn proved at War Games he's with the bloodline. Jay adds Zayn's the reason the bloodline won and war games. Zayn is grateful and doesn't know what to say. Jimmy asks Sammy, how is he feeling? And Zayn responds that he's feeling pretty oozy. Fans break into a loud oozy chant. We see Zayn and the Usos do their special handshake to a huge reaction. The brawling brutes interrupt and make their way to the ring. Sheamus is tired of all this talking and wants to fight. We see the finish of the Sami Zayn-Sheamus match. The Brawling Brutes and Usos fight at ringside. So Sikoa joins in and hits a Urinagi on Butch onto the barricade. A Luva kick is blocked. And Sheamus is looking for a white noise. But Jay slips in the ring and hits Sheamus with a superkick. Sami decapitalizes and pins Sheamus with a sunset flip. So we see the nature of the Bloodline winning the match at War Games, Jay falling to Kevin on Raw, but the Bloodline getting the win back on SmackDown against another member of those teams, Sheamus, with Jay helping Sammy. So we're seeing the cohesiveness, we're seeing them working together, we're seeing them try to bond and, and form those strong ties. And man. Just another one of those pieces where I do like the nature that. Jimmy, just speaking up be a little bit more charismatic of the two between Jay and Jimmy, but saying he's the MVP, another nature of Sammy just getting credit. I do like the piece that they're sharing a little bit of that love. And they're like, we talked about the guys in the bloodline, just all playing the role and, and working well together and playing off one another is just really great to see. So another kind of fun promo and segment from the bloodline yeah
1: yeah i really enjoyed the fact that uh jay actually got in and helped sami this time um we've seen their sort of miscommunications before um and even so far as earlier on the week with the raw uh the raw match um there was no interference that helped jay win the match but jay got in helped Sami win the match. You know, obviously with with uh, Jim, Jimmy getting onto the the side of the the uh, the apron as
2: well. Um, it, it's all been it's all been really good. Um, I, I, I I don't know. It's so fun to see this progress,
1: and the fact that they did the special that they did they did the double the double handshake, which I really enjoyed. Uh, Cause like it was like Jibby and Sammy were about to do their their handshake, and then Sammy, you know, motioned Jay to come over do the handshake. You're like, come on, well get in, get in here, live, live. and then the crowd pop on that thing. It was it was fantastic, and you have seen Solo just kind of stand there, one like us here, must not crack, must not crack, not gonna look anywhere near Sammy. This is pretty much what I feel like Solo has like an ongoing monologue in his head. Don't look anywhere near Sammy, and I won't bust out laughing,
0: because that is legitimately—he's looking
1: everywhere except where Sammy is—and uh, I, I love, I love Solo for that. Um, hopefully, by the end of it, we'll see some more character development uh, out of out of Solo in terms of we'll get to see him laugh. But uh, yeah, it's definitely um, for for now. I'm 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 loving how much fun that they're having in the ring. And I love the fact that like we're we're finally giving Sammy his flowers.
0: Yeah, you can see we mentioned it before. Like when these guys can kind of have fun with one another and and play off each other well, and you can have this camaraderie, and you can tell that the, the Usos and and Sammy you know get along well. That they can they can kind of come up with this and seen how many times just Sammy just try to run with it and basically just try to make these guys crack and you know have these kind of fun promos and things like that. So. Kudos to all these guys, and just really this, this roller coaster, man. Just keeping on going. So, as we wind down this segment, Joker, I gotta say, we have re- reservations and kind of things, but where where do we see this going next? Where do we see this go?
2: Samusin pins
1: Roman and becomes the new Ubu champion. Bloodline dissolves, and it's just him and Jay. Like just just him and Jay are the only two remaining friends. Like that's it. I don't know. That's 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 end game, PT. You asked me where it's going, that's where it's
0: going. I the shoe, you know, where everyone, (laughs) us included, feels like the other shoe's got to drop, right? The eventual Sammy parting ways, however that happens, right? You know, we don't know if it's a sort of a a a turn from Sammy or the betrayal by the by the bloodline type of thing, but we do feel like they'll eventually part ways. But like how it's going to get there and the story leading up to it like uh we mentioned we talked a little bit offline of like if we know we know a spoiler, we know what's going to happen like in a movie or a game. Like I don't mind too much, but it's more like how are we going to get there? What's the journey to the to the destination? That's going to be super interesting. So, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm I'm on this roller coaster and I'm for it.
1: I'm kind of a little bit um now obviously we have Jay and Sami sort of on the same page. Um My mind has been racing with the fact that we could have Jay be like, well, the first person to ever sort of feud with you, Roman, was me. Like, I was the whole reason this started. And for him to do the long con, the two and a half year long con, and be like, I was friends with my boy Sammy the entire time. We just had to make you believe we weren't friends so that you would cast all doubt aside And then, bish bash bosh, it's Sammy and Jay, and they're the two real masterminds behind the downfall of the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Nothing would bring me greater joy than that for that to happen. But, like, come on, how sweet would that be? Referencing right back to the very start of Roman's career as the tribal chief, Um, the first person who really he made acknowledge him uh, being Jay, and, uh, yeah, I just, I I feel like that would be, I feel like that would be too, too much to ask for, so I'll settle with just, you know, having a really good storyline, um, the eventual cracks, uh, forming into fissures and the disbanding of the, the bloodline, um, but like we said before, like we said before, we actually recorded today, it's so good to see such a long drawn out story develop off the back of the hard work of Sami, who was really only supposed to have a small piece in this bloodline story um yeah it it, it it's definitely really fun to see that it was off the back of Sami doing such incredible work that
2: he got this opportunity to uh. Being in the main event scene for so long,
0: you love to see it. Sam is doing amazing work, and he's getting the recognition both in kayfabe and in shoot. You love to see it. You guys are doing really, really great storytelling. One of the better pieces that's come out this year, and we've been following along, and we've been enjoying it. And we hope you've been enjoying it too. But let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube. Or hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. And let us know what your thoughts are. Sami Zayn cementing his place
2: in the bloodline.
0: Oh boy, that about wraps it up for us. Nice, fantastic conversation about two amazing storylines today. Was it good for you? Because hot dang, it was good for me.
1: Yeah, man. Like, this was just like a a show based around the idea for two quick hits that we had. Like, we're like, "Ah, oh, dude, what was the best thing about this week is like these two things." Like, yeah, well, let's just talk about those two things because I don't think if you had have asked us to, we could have fit them into you know a quick hit that we usually do. Um, this it wouldn't have done either story justice. We wouldn't have been able to talk about them at length. Um, I just had an awful lot of fun with it. Like appreciate the fact that MJF is doing what he's doing um and being and being allowed to exist as the character he's meant to be. Uh and then Sam Ezian and Jay Uso sort of coming together, getting their uh getting their collective flowers and uh leading a really, really, really good
2: uh storyline that um I don't mean to disparage it, but I hope comes to an end real soon.
0: We got two crazy, phenomenal, fantastic stories just going running parallel to one another and different companies and different shows. And these aforementioned guys, MJF, Sammy J, the bloodline, these are characters. These are guys. These are stories that fans are looking forward to being played out on their respective shows. Us like many of the folks are interested in these stories, and we look forward to the next story beats in them. And it was great to talk about here, and we're absolutely looking forward to the next steps in the journey of MJF and the Bloodline. All right. So for TF Joker,
2: I'm usier than you, and you know it.
0: And for me, pretty Tony, thank you for your time, letting us be a part of your day, and remember be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.